gotten quite fond of Rob and Darla, but it goes a lot further than that because uh, in their time here, uh, Rob's been our shepherd, our mentor, our teacher, and our confidant. And I think I can speak for many people here that uh, they've been more than that, they've been our friends. So, and I don't want to uh, make this sound like this is a worship service for Rob and Darla because it's not. And, and I know for a fact they wouldn't ask for that and uh, Rob wouldn't allow it. So, uh, but I, I don't see a problem with uh, recognizing people that God sent here to uh, do his will. Amen. So I appreciate them for that. You know, uh, back when they made the announcement here they're going to be leaving, everybody, I think everybody here in attendance was pretty shocked. I know I was. And, and I remember the last thing Darla said up here that we'll be back. Right? So I was going to say that in my best Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, but <laughs> I didn't do it. So. But I think Jesus said he would be back too, right? So I believe he will be. So I want to spend the rest of the time talking about what I believe was, uh, I guess you'd call the foundation of Rob's ministry in the time that he's been here at Freedom Baptist Church. And yes, the Word is part of it and the Gospel is part of it, but I think it's more inclusive than that. I believe that uh, it was the exact, the exact same thing that should be the cornerstone for all disciples. It was the Great Commission. But before we get into the scripture, Casey and I have been uh, practicing a little song for this very service today. And if you got a second, we'll do it for you. The title of the song is The Commission. And if you focus on the words of this song, it should be re very relevant to the message. So just give us just a second. death and I hold the key 
go to someday But there's much to do here before you Discussion I'm going to start will be in verse 19, but I would like to start in verse 16. The Bible says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am always, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day that uh, we can be in your house. And I have one more opportunity to uh, preach your word, Lord. Thank you for our pastor and his wife that's with us one more time that... Uh, are going to be missed, but your will is more important, Lord. Be with me now as I preach these words. Give me the words you want me to say and give the congregation listening ears so they can take this message to heart and share it with the world, Lord. I ask all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. 
the background of this book. background of this book uh, get there this book of Matthew was written by Matthew himself and was believed to have been written around AD 50 this particular section of scripture come after the crucifixion and after the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this conversation happened in Galilee on the mountain that's unknown to us. It's universally believed that this is a conversation that happened approximately 40 days after the, resur the resurrection of our Lord. Matthew mentioned that the 11 disciples were there and they were present for this conversation. I'd like to start out by pointing that in the background of this text, I mentioned that the 11 disciples were there and they most definitely were there. But some scholars believe that there were many more disciples there. John MacArthur believes that there was more than 500 disciples there, that's what he believed, on the hillside in Galilee. These were the believing remnant of an apostate Israel. The proof for, the proof for this statement is all over the scripture where Jesus tells the disciples he meets uh, to meet him in Galilee, the 11 and many other people from the time of his resurrection. And one other argument that John MacArthur has for this understanding is why would Jesus need to meet the 11 disciples in Galilee when he had already met him after his resurrection? He could have went ahead and shared the commissioning with them at that time. He didn't need to wait 40 days and, uh, and do it later. Jesus. The reason I want to point this out is for two reasons. The first being the ministry of Jesus was never intended for only a few good men. Jesus was about to leave this earth and ascend to the right hand of the Father in heaven. Jesus had done what he came here to do. He came to earth as a man to live a sinless life and to build his church here on earth. He taught many people near him about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and what it would really took to enter the kingdom of heaven. We know from the scriptures that just his teaching alone was not enough. He had to lay down his life willingly and be a blood sacrifice for our sins. We also know it didn't end there because in three days he arose arose out of, the, out of the tomb alive. So, Jesus would only be walking this, this earth for a little while longer. He'd spend the next 40 days showing himself to those that would believe and continue his ministry. And that goes back to the, the believing remnant. Uh, back up to that. Uh, believe a, a, a remnant, apostate Israel, is uh, those that rejected Jesus. Um, and a lot of them lived in and around Galilee so that's why it's believed that once he showed himself for 40 days uh, to the ones that rejected him earlier 
many believed him, believed him after that. They seen the evidence of his life. So that's why there, there was over 500 people present. But the commissioning was never intended to end with these people either. It was intended to be handed down through the ages to all disciples. Jesus' ministry was far too important to chance on just a few good men. A few good men. The 11 are the disciples that are closest to Jesus. And I, I, I wrote that. I said just the ones closest to him. But I, I don't know if that's actually completely accurate. They were more than just the ones that were closest to him because they were the ones that he taught most of his lessons to during those times and the ones that was going to have to carry this on and teach all the new believers. So there were, there were more than just the ones closest to him. So. And this brings me to the second point about the 500 disciples. Who are disciples? Earlier this month, Brother Rob hadn't yet been told what my sermon was going to be about. I was alarmed when he gave a sermon about disciples and the traits of a Christ-like disciple because I could see where he was going for the next month and I figured he would uh, get to the Great Commission and before I would. So, But, uh, but I, I went ahead and relented and told Rob what I was, the sermon was going to be on. But thanks to him, I have some good notes to go by. Rob gave a list of traits for a Christ-like disciple. The definition of a disciple is a learning believer. That means everyone that believes is a disciple. Here's a list from Brother Rob uh, what Christ-like traits of a disciple should look like. A Christ-like uh, disciple should be uh, faithful, should be available, should, be, should take initiative, should be teachable, and have a heart for God and people. Rob taught these lessons pretty well, so I don't need to cover all of them again, but one that I'd like to focus on is availability. I think that all the, tra all the other traits hinge on that one trait of being available. I believe if you're available, God can use you. He'll find a way to use you if you make yourself available. That doesn't mean only if you feel comfortable. Sometimes you got to step out in faith and, and do some things that are uncomfortable. I think we've all heard and some of us have used the, the, uh, the saying or the term, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Right? So he can use this. And, I, and I'll show some evidence of that. If you'll go ahead and in your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 17. In the Bible, Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 17, the Bible says, but Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. 
Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand the staff with which you shall do the signs. Well, in this bit of scripture, it sounds like God wasn't going to take no for an answer. He had, uh, he had plans for Moses, and Moses sounds a lot like so many of us that uh, ministry can be pretty scary at times, and we look for excuses to not try to reach people because we don't feel comfortable. We don't feel like, you know, we're worthy. We had a study here a while back. What are some reasons that we would be scared to share our faith? What would be some things that would deter us from that? And some of those were being made fun of or ridiculed. Uh, but it's not easy to go out and, and share your faith sometimes. But sometimes you just got to step out in faith. A few years ago, we were going door to door throughout Noble, inviting people to come to uh, one of our events. I think it was either a movie night at the park or uh, the spaghetti dinner, but I think it was the spaghetti dinner because um, Brother Rob was walking with me. He knew better than to leave me alone. I, I was new to street ministry. Rob, Rob's been doing this for a long time, right? Rob's a, he was a member of the uh, Navigators, right? And uh, he learned early on how to do some street ministry. So he worked with a lot of us here at church going door to door. And we had a lot of outreaches and, and stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, he, he knew better than to leave me alone. But I was new to street ministry and had, hadn't uh, no clue what to do and really didn't have the the developed skills to talk to people about Christ. And this sounds so similar to this story about Moses. God answered Moses and gave him everything that he needed to accomplish his will. Not anybody else's will, but his will. He gave him the tools and the helper in his, in his brother Aaron. <clears throat> Moses was available and that's all God needed. My, myself and others here at Freedom Multiple times we've been available, and that's all God needed. Now, we weren't there to confront a Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. But we were doing what God expects us from all of us to do in this day and age. And that is to uh, do our part for the Great Commission. And it doesn't do any good to have all the qualities of a great speaker, of a, of a confident teacher, if you're not even there and available. So 
that's why I think availability is probably one of the ones that all the other traits hinge on. So, but if I ask you what the number one goal for Freedom Baptist Church is, what would you say? Would you say to worship our Lord and Savior? Well, that's one of them. But if God only, only wanted us to worship Him, He could just take us immediately to heaven once we're saved and we could worship Him there with all the, the sanctified saints. If that was His only desire. Would you say just to learn God's Word and be sanctified? Well, couldn't we learn directly from Him when we went to heaven? What better teacher would that be? But He's left us here. John MacArthur told a story about a ball player. He said a ball player doesn't uh, go to practice just to keep going to practice. He goes to practice to develop the skills necessary to play the game and to win. And that's no different from us either. We come to church to worship and to learn these lessons from God's Word so we can reach the lost. That's what we're here for. This is why we're saved and left here on earth. If not, Jesus could just take us to heaven the moment we are saved. Jesus' ministry would be no more if we failed to do His will. He uses us to carry on His ministry. We are His mouthpiece in this world because nobody seeks after God. One more time in your Bibles. I'll have you turn to Genesis, sorry, Revelations. No, I was right the first time. Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 through 19. Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 through 19. says, But in the garden Adam knew he had sinned. He didn't go looking for God for his help. So it, the Bible says God came looking for him. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Well, from the beginning of creation to the second coming of Jesus Christ, now all the way to the back of your Bible, Revelations, chapter 22, verse 17. And I promise, I think that's the last scripture. Revelations 22, 17. Book of Revelations, the Bible says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the, the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without a price. And God always desires to save the lost souls. This is his character, and Christ has the same character. And we should adopt it as well. We should love the world and want to lead the lost to Christ as much as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just as Adam and Eve hid from God in the garden, man today is no different. Never at any time in the history did man seek after God. They didn't seek after God without God first calling them. Obviously, God doesn't speak verbally to us, 
but through His Word and the Holy Spirit. We are used as God's mouthpiece to reach the lost. This should be our motive as, as it was always God's motive. We should do as Jesus has done, all for God's glory. And I'm about to wrap up, I promise. Brother Rob and Darla have been coming to this church since 2014, I think it was the date. They've worked very hard in, in this many years doing what God required of a pastor and wife of a church. Brother Rob modernized the service here at Freedom. He changed how we did a lot of uh, our ministry here and our business from day to day. Uh, he worked with the people of this church to develop leaders, teachers, missionaries, and disciples. And what I'm trying to do is show a parallel between what Christ Jesus did here on earth and what Rob Wines did at Freedom Baptist Church. We should strive to look more like Christ Jesus. Every one of us should be trying to look like Christ Jesus in our actions and our ministry. Just as Jesus got his church in order and developed leaders and disciples to do his will, Rob Wines has worked for that very same ministry. And if you look at it that way, we're all involved in, in doing exactly what Jesus was doing, trying to help save the lost. So ask yourself this question. What are you doing now or have you been doing to reach the lost? IBSA has a program called Who's Your One? Do you have at least one person in your life that you know that you're trying to reach for Christ? I know I do. But why don't I have many more than just one? Because I know I have many people in my family that need to know Christ. I have people I meet every day friends in my lives that need to know Christ. I think it was Kirk Cameron that said uh, <clears throat> in the middle of the night if your neighbor's house was on fire would you rush to go tell them and wake them up and let them know their house is on fire. Listen folks, people are suffering and it's going to get much worse in this world. Sin is real, and if you don't teach people about that and that there's help waiting for them, then what do you think is going to happen? Heaven is a very real place, and I look forward to walking in those streets someday. How about you? Do you want your neighbors there with you? You know, we just had a Bible study about who is your neighbor, right? Just a couple weeks ago. Right? And I think the gist of it is it's everyone. Everyone is your neighbor, and we are to love them. In a minute, we're going to have a song of invitation. If you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't put it off. It's, 
probably the most important thing you can do in your life. It's the best thing I ever did in my life. Amen. You know? Do it right here. Don't wait. You don't have to come up here if you don't feel comfortable. You can accept him right where you're at. Just talk to him. Ask him into your heart. Tell him that you believe that he died for your sins. That after three days he arose from the grave. And that he's alive and well at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. Give him your heart and follow him. Then repent and be baptized as we all want to hear about. We all want to celebrate with you. It should be a happy day. I know it was for me. In fact, I think I was the first one you baptized at this church. I got nervous when you seen the big block in there. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and we'll have an invitation song if you don't mind. But feel free to come forward or do whatever you need to do. Thank you.